In today's show, we're looking back at the 2020-2021 season for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app and find one of our Locked On rooms. Locker Room is changing the way that we talk sports. I'm here to talk about the Minnesota Timberwolves. Fresh off my uh, first dose of the COVID vaccine, feeling pretty good. Got the Pfizer dose here a couple of days ago. All I had was a little bit of stiffness in the arm, no side effects to worry about, and uh, pretty excited to get the uh, to get the booster in a couple of weeks and then be fully ready to go. Although uh, we are currently here in lockdown for the next few days, hopefully just for the next few days, as a few cases have uh, have sprung up. But hopefully everything's back to normal. But we're here to talk Minnesota Timberwolves. Let's talk Minnesota Timberwolves because they are a team that happened. They are a team that exists in the NBA, and they are a team that are very, very interesting in terms of what happened at the end of the season and what that means as we move forward. Let's take a look at the Wolves, who finished last year 23-49. and 49. Of course, they had a little bit of a surge at the end of the season. They were right on their expected win-loss. But what they wanted to do at the end of the season, which you know, I think you have to look at it as a, a, a relatively positive thing, is they decided, well, we finally got our players together. Towns, Russell, Edwards, outside of Malik Beasley. Let's just see what they can do. We've got a new coach, Chris Finch. Let's see what they can do. Let's not sit these guys. Let's not rest these guys. And it was another one of those things, which, again, I push back on all the time. Carl Anthony Towns injured at the start of the season. We'll talk about him a little bit later. But, like, man, why would I bother trading for Towns? He's just going to get shut down. They're just going to shut him down. There's no way he's playing at the end of the season. Mm, Maybe, maybe not. Obviously, the answer is not. But... Definitive statements like that, which are based on bullshit, are frustrating. And that's why we, we just don't know how this stuff's going to play out. And making definitive calls on that sort of thing is pretty hard to do. And uh, maybe I do it sometimes. I try not to do it. But it is something we need to be aware of. Anyway, they finished the season on a pretty strong run, 23 and 49. Their overall season numbers are shithouse. And that's going to go uh, pretty interesting when we look at the some of their players. 25th in offense, 28th in defense. They were fourth highest in terms of pace. At this point, they have no picks. Now, they can get a pick. They've got a 27% chance of getting a pick because if their selection, which is currently slated to be sixth, moves into the top three, they get to keep it. If it moves to fourth, it goes to the Warriors. Um, if it's sixth or seventh or eighth or ninth or tenth, then yeah, they, they lose it to the Warriors as well. The most likely outcome it's about a 30% chance of it going to the seven spot. And of course, it goes to Golden State. That is higher than the chance of them moving into one, two, and three, which is a combined year 27.6%. So the likelihood is they do not have a first round pick. Now, if they do get a first round pick, it's a really good one. It's a top three pick and it is a franchise franchise changer. But of course, if they do keep that pick this season, then next year their pick is unprotected. Now we expect the Wolves, if they do get a top three pick, Towns, Russell, Edwards... Malik Beasley plus top three pick, 
might be a team that finishes with the 10th best or 10th worst record or 12th or pushes into the play-in type scenario, meaning that unprotected pick that they give up to the Warriors won't quite be as good unless they finish 13th and remarkably jump into the top three or four. So this lottery, while it's important for lots of teams, the uh, the Thunder, they could get two top fivers. But the Wolves, if they're able to push into that top three here, it's massive. The, the odds are against them. It's a one in four chance that they that they do push into that top three. Then, but that is absolutely massive for them. The most likely outcome is uh, their pick going to the Golden State Warriors, of course, and they don't have a second round selection in this draft. In terms of free agency, there's nothing major going on here. Jared Vanderbilt and Jordy McLaughlin are both restricted free agents. I imagine that uh, Vanderbilt will be brought back. McLaughlin, I'm not so sure about. Not that he's not good, because I do think he is. Um, And so much as that is going to come on to what they do with Rubio, who's got an $18 million expiring contract, and the word appears that he will be out. They'll be looking to move on from him in the offseason, and McLaughlin can be a really solid backup point guard. But they were so hesitant to bring him back after his last two-way contract expired, and it took forever for him to come back, um, that maybe they're not as keen to get him back into the fray. Vanderbilt, has said, started a lot of games. He's 21. I'm almost certain they'll bring him back while unrestricted free agent Ed Davis, who they traded for, which was a weird move. Um, he's 31 or 32 years of age. I really doubt that we're going to be seeing him back in action for this team, but that's how they sit in terms of free agency. I believe they've got a non-guaranteed deal for Nas Reed, which will almost definitely be guaranteed, and there's $1.8 million non-guaranteed for Jalen Noel, which again, I'm pretty sure will be guaranteed as we uh, as we get back into things. Guys, if you are the hiring expert for your company, what you really need is help making your short list of quality candidates. You need a hiring partner who helps make your life easier. You need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. Get your quality short list of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster, only pay for the candidates that meet must-have qualifications, and schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. With tools like Indeed Instant Match, giving you quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your job description immediately, and Indeed skills tests that on average reduce hiring time by 27%. You can choose from more than 130 skills tests, then add your must-have requirements so that you only pay for applications that meet them. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash locked. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash locked. Indeed.com slash locked offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. I had myself a Built Bar for breakfast this morning. I had, uh, there you go, just ripped the packet. You can see it on the video. My Built Bar raspberry flavor, but there are eight other delicious flavors available for Built Bar. It tastes like a candy bar, but it is also healthy. It is good for you when you're looking for that protein hit. Don't go for those ones that taste like garbage. Get yourself a Built Bar. And if you don't know what your favorite flavor is, get on it straight away. Buy yourself a mixed box. 18 bars, nine flavors, two of each flavor. And then you can figure out what your favorite flavor is. Most of these flavors have 17 grams of protein. And just 130 calories with only 4 grams of sugar and only 4 grams of net carbs. So, go ahead. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. The promo code is LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Let's start talking about Minnesota Timberwolves players now. And where we have to start is uh, at Carl Anthony Towns, who, again, remember... This is the number one example that you'll always have for what I mentioned before. Oh, he's definitely getting shut down. They're not making the playoffs. They're going to sit him down the stretch. Number one example for that when you know, someone brings that up, oh, that'll always happen. Cool. It doesn't. You're talking out your ass. But also, he's an Iron Man, mate. I'm drafting him. He never misses time. Eh, maybe. 
He played 50 games this year, 35 last year. He played 82 games for his first three seasons. And as I say every single year, multiple times, the more games you play in a row, the closer you are to missing your next game or the closer you are to getting injured. You're an Iron Man until you're not. That is just how this shit works. Nobody is Wolverine. They are not made of adamantium where they are impervious to injuries, where every time they jump and land, it's a perfect landing so their ankle doesn't sprain or their finger doesn't get bent back by a ball and crack or they don't crop, cop a whack in the nose that gives them a concussion or whatever it is. Nobody is that person. So when you are drafting, but now there are different situations. Players with recurring injuries are Chris Porzingis. Players entering the season with knee injuries are Jaron Jackson Jr. You have to have a level of caution. But if you're basing shit on, oh, he never misses games. He's so tough. What a tough ass. And now, Carl Anthony Towns, oh, he's a pussy. He's soft as shit. Not drafting this bloke. Absolutely useless. The narrative is bullshit. It's absolute bullshit. And I think you need to work that out on both sides of things. Now, it wasn't the greatest season from Towns. He'd had four years in a row inside the top nine. He was ninth this year. That's not too bad. He averaged 47 fantasy points. That was ninth, ninth in category leagues. But he was a top five pick, and I would have picked him in the top five, no problem. 50 games, 34 minutes. He averaged 25 and 11, a block, 2.43s, 49 and 86%. So why was he ninth instead of being a top six guy? Well, the easy answer to me there is his... um, his three-point shooting was three-point volume went down, which was quite curious. His assists, which I thought might spike to six, they stayed about the same as they were last year. But most importantly, his shooting, his you know, three-point shooting, which had been at 40% plus for three consecutive years, fell to 39. And as I say, ad nauseum as well, 39% for a center, kids, cover your ears. It's really fucking good. Like, it's so, so good. But when you come from 41%, when you come from 42%, it's a big hit. And then when your two-pointers go from 59 down to 54, it's a big hit. And that means your field goals drop from, yeah, his first three years where they're at 54%, he's down to 49. That's it. That's the difference from Towns being the ninth best player to being the fourth best player, is that his field goal percentage dropped off. Like, he could very easily come out and average 26 and 11 with a block per game. But if he goes at 51 and 86 again... And maybe he averages five and a half assists. He's a top five player. And I don't think I'd have really too much hesitation in looking at him in that area. He doesn't get steals. That's probably his one weakness. But everything else is a real positive. And I think that he might be available at somewhat of a discount next season. We'll see. But I think that that might be... Uh, I think that might be the case for big Carl Anthony Towns. His um, yeah, advanced numbers are still pretty good. Plus four EPM, 66... Or 62, sorry... True shooting, he led the team in Raptor by a absolutely huge margin. His LeBron was, what, eight times better than the next bloke? Like he was just, that. He's and for all the hype of other guys, D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards, Towns is this team's best player. It's not remotely close. And um, again, I think he'll just be a little bit undervalued when we head back next season. Let's talk about D'Angelo Russell, who was injured again. Um, and this is a guy who does have some real worries, I think, with his knee, multiple knee problems across his career. Him and Towns are the same age, 25, uh, 25 years old. Um, I don't know why my old sounded really old. Old, 24 years old. Um, 42 games, 29 minutes a game, 19, two and a half rebounds, six assists, a steal, three threes, 43, 77%, shot 39% from three. He was somewhat of a disappointment this season, I would say, averaging 33 fantasy points. He ended up 83rd in category leagues, but I think some of it we look at 29 minutes a game. I oh, were expecting 33, 34 minutes a game, but the knee injury hurt that. 
and then he played in a sixth man role until about the last two weeks of the season. And that really did impact D'Angelo Russell there. His usage was at 29%. And again, we had a bit of a concern with how does Towns, Russell, Beasley, Edwards all fit, who are getting the shots on this team. And I think some of that played out a little bit, but it's more to me the fact that his minutes were at 29, D'Angelo, versus um, you know the expected 33 or 34 minutes per night. But I thought that towards the end of the season, he started to fit into that role pretty well. His advanced stuff is still not spectacular. 56 true shooting is just marginally below average. Not a great rim finisher. Not bad, though. 66, 60% is pretty good. Uh, assist numbers were, were fairly strong. Defensively, he still has some some huge concerns. Like where I think we're all well aware of that. There are issues there. Um, but offensively, I thought he was okay. He definitely wasn't a massive, massive negative. Um Overall, but you know, defensively there are still some some massive issues. But in terms of what we look at, what he did last year, he averaged four fewer points per game. But I think a good idea is to look at what he did per thirty six, and it's not massively different. The shooting numbers, the big difference there is eighty one to seventy seven from the line. That's going from above average to below average, so that hurts. And the scoring and his usage went from thirty to twenty nine. Now I think the large part portion of that is the fact that he just didn't hit his free throws at the same level. Like that's that that that's a big part of that. If he just hit his free throws at eighty two percent, he probably averages the same scoring per thirty six. So while we do have to really be worried about injuries with him, he's played just eighty seven games in two years in Minnesota, or his last two years. Sorry, some of that was with Golden State, obviously. And then he's had yeah that eighty one game year for Brooklyn, but prior to that forty eight and sixty three. Like knee injuries have been a consistent issue, and that's going to push him down. But I do think on a per game basis that Russell can be significantly better than what he was this season. He did sort of find a way, him and Towns and Edwards all found a way to coexist. I guess the unknown variable there is what the hell happens when Malik Beasley is back. And we'll talk about that in a little bit of time. Um, Guys, we are we are here. We are talking. Um, But you know, what, what we need to do is we're, I'm doing these season review podcasts and the NBA playoffs are on. Now, the Timberwolves got a chance to get into the, the NBA playoffs because our NBA playoff coverage, and it will be for the rest of these playoffs, is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And at 2.6 grams and 95 calories, we can all enjoy these playoff games a little bit more this season. Let's go on to the next guy, and that is Malik Beasley. Bees, um, I, was, I was concerned with Beasley at how he would fit in, and he had that really hot stretch at the end of last season, when he came across from Denver, where he'd done nothing in Denver, and then he went bananas. I went, okay, this is without Towns. This is without Anthony Edwards. Where does he fit in? And then he came in, and he was he was pretty good this year. 37 games, 33 minutes, averaged 30 fantasy points, which was 83rd. He was 93rd in category leagues. He averaged three and a half threes. He only shot 44%, but... Um, he was able to put up some some really, really solid numbers this season, like really, really good. Averaged almost 20 points with those three and a half threes. The problem I have consistently had with Malik Beasley as a fantasy guy is, what does he do? All right, 93rd is fine. 83rd in points leagues is fine. He had three categories, which were positive categories, so above average. And two of them were marginally above average. That was his scoring and his 85% free throws because he never gets to the line, two attempts per game. The one category that he was really good at was hitting threes, 3.5 threes at 40%. Undoubtedly a very good number. But it's it's threes. Like we can stream that. And Beasley did all this damage while Towns was out, while Russell was out, and while Edwards was shit. 
His EPM was the best in his career, but it was still just a negative 0.4. His true shooting was average, 58%, a bit above average. Doesn't finish well at the rim. He shot the three ball well. But to me, I really, really worry about where Malik Beasley fits on this team. Defensively, he's not very good. Um, offensively, he does, you know, does he just turn into a spot-up shooter? Does he turn into a worse? Well, his fantasy profile is very much like a Norman Powell anyway. I don't really know how he fits. He's only 24, so he's younger than Townsend Russell. But are they going to go Russell Beasley Edwards? Like one of those guys is just not going to get shots. Beasley's best role, I think by far, is a 28-minute, 29-minute a game uh, sixth man. Have some time with the ball in your hands where at least one of Russell or Edwards is off and get your shots up then. Now, to be fair to him, he did what he did this year on 24 usage, which is not sky high, but I reckon that might actually have to come down to 23 if he remains as a starter or 22. If he comes to the bench, he can be a 26 usage guy. But again, two rebounds, oh sorry, four rebounds, two assists, 0.8 steals, no volume from the, from the line, shit field goal percentage. What is he doing that is good outside of hitting threes with it with a dose of scoring, which might actually come down? I'm very, very worried about, you know, will he be a top 100 player next year? If I had to put money on it at this early point, I'd say no. Now, injuries could obviously change that. You know, Russell goes down, Edwards goes down, Towns goes down, then he steps in, his usage goes up, and he can scale his game pretty well. But he is an empty player. And I'm trying to think of other guys. There's, there's another guy that's in the, on the edge of my mind who is that player that's just very much, oh, Gary Trent. You score and hit threes and you don't do anything else. And that's really, to me, what Beasley is as a player. He's fine, but that's that's what he is. And when the usage does drop, which, again, if they are healthy, I, I don't see a way in which it doesn't, uh, I'm a little bit worried about where Malik fits as we move forward. Guys, bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. The NBA playoffs, they're cracking in, and you can track all that action at BetOnline. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all of your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, the NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs, and all of your UFC action. Before the next tip, head to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all of the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Head to that website, use our code, which is locked on, and you can get your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline are your online sportsbook experts. Let's talk about the guy that I think most people want to hear about, Goose. Anthony Edwards. It was absolutely a tale of two halves for Edwards. He was one of the worst players in the NBA to begin this season. Atrocious for two plus months. And then he went crazy. He ended the, Let's talk about what he did. Like he played every game. 32 minutes a night. Came off the bench for a chunk of those. He averaged 32 fantasy points, which was 71st. He was 101st ranked player in category leagues at an ADP of 115. His best category was his volume of threes, 2.4 per game. Marginally ahead of his steals at 1.1 and his scoring at 19.3. His field goals were terrible, 42%. But, but, over the last three months of the year, so half of the year, he was the 44th ranked player. He averaged 24 points in 35 minutes. He was able to increase his assist rate, his steal rate, but most importantly, he shot 45% from the field. Now, the free throws are still an issue, 77 from the line. That's not terrible, but it's still below average. But getting to 44%, 45% from the field is a huge win. 
His twos went up to 54% when they were horrible, and his threes went to 34%, and they continued to improve as the season went on. His advanced stats aren't that good. One negative 1.4 EPM, not particularly good. Negative 3.4 Raptor, absolutely not remotely close to good. Negative 0.9 LeBron, all right. But a lot of that is to do with just his bad defense. And, and that, that his steal rate is good, but his defense wasn't particularly great. But how do we view where Edwards is? He was a guy that admittedly I was not particularly high on. I would not have picked him at one. I wouldn't have picked him in the top three. Now, I am going to do a redraft of this draft, and he will de- definitely go with that high. Like, he will go in the top three. What my worries were was shot selection in college, and that played out for the first three months. A lack of defense, that's played out the entire season. Can he pass it all? Well, that did improve, and I, I didn't really see that coming necessarily. Um, and some poor efficiency, and, and that did play out, but he was able to really ramp that up. And he was able to find a way to exist alongside Russell and alongside Towns. Because there was a time when he was getting 30-plus usage, but that reigned back when Russell came in and was running at 27. Scoring well, getting nice passing, rebounding, good steal numbers, and solid efficiency. True shooting 59 over his last 24 games. It's a really good number. Um, Now, we look at it and go, is the first three months real? Is the second three months real? And the the um, inclination is with rookies, and I, I believe Kevin Powell has done a lot of studies on this, is that we look at them and go, well, if they improve down the stretch, that's just because they're getting used to the NBA. So their first three months, we discount and we look at their last three months, and our inclination is to say, well, he's figured it out, and that's what's going to happen from here on out. Now, Kevin Powell has done research on this. I'll need to, I should check with Kevin actually on this exactly, but I'm pretty sure that when looking at a player's career trajectory, that actually is not true that the value of the entire rookie season is way more predictive than the last three or two months when they turn it on in that hot streak. So that's something to to pay attention to. I think that Edwards will almost undoubtedly be drafted in the top 50, probably top 40 next year, and there is a real risk that that does not work because if that, that field goal percentage doesn't maintain, if the fit of Beasley Edwards, Russell Towns is not quite there, if this ability of him to increase his assist numbers, which over his last eight games, he averaged four assists, sorry, five assists. If that doesn't maintain um, and the defensive problems are still there, then that, that's a that's a blown pick. So while we've been really impressed with what he did, we cannot just discount the first three months of the year when he was actually terrible. Like he was really bad from a fantasy point of view, not a top 200 player in that time. And even a real life perspective, he was horrible. We cannot... We cannot discount that. But his consistent improvement is a huge, huge win. In a dynasty league, um, I guess there is some thought of, is he a sell high? I think that's a possibility. But I also think that you know, him being a top 20 player is is fair enough. What can he average? Let's have a look. at what, Well, let's have a look. The last month of the year, that's only eight games, he was the 20th ranked player. He played 37 minutes a night. That's probably not realistic to stick at those minutes, but he averaged 27 points. He shot 53 and 79. Now, that 53% includes 63% from two, which is not going to stick. He averaged a block, 0.8 steals, five assists, five and a half boards. So that's him being a top 20 player. I do not believe that 53% shooting for Anthony Edwards is a realistic number, so that comes down. Five assists, I'm not sure I'm convinced that. 37 minutes and 27 points, it's all well and good, and he did it over this eight-game stretch. I don't think that's a realistic thing. 
25 points per game, five rebounds, four assists, 1.3 steals on 49% over a course of a season is real. So if you see someone valuing him as top 15, top 20, I would be inclined to consider it as a deal. I am not ruling out the possibility that he becomes that guy. But I think just his lack of high high rebounds, high assists, um, and some efficiency concerns and shot selection concerns, as well as defensive issues, and ha- trying how seeing how it all fits with Beasley, there is there is a level of concern there. But absolutely outplayed all of my expectations, and he was awesome down the stretch. Absolutely awesome. But there are some things that we do have to just not completely disregard. I hope that all makes sense. Ravishing Rick Rubio. Um, Rick was a guy that at the start of the season, I, rec- I said, I reckon he's a better point guard than D'Angelo Russell for this lineup. Edwards, Beasley, Towns, Rubio will fit better there. And to begin the season, he was horrible. And then halfway through the year, things started to click and he was that better player. He was the better fit there. And they started him alongside Russell for a big chunk of time. But towards the end of the season, we saw the minutes drop. And again, the words in Minnesota seems to be that he will be not with this team next season. He averaged 26 minutes, 9 points. His fantasy value comes from two categories, 6.5 assists and 1.5 steals. But is 26 minutes a realistic expectation for where Rubio ends up next year? I'd have to say no. He is 30. Um, Yeah, his advanced numbers were well down to where they've been in the past. By far his worst season in terms of EPM. Now, his LeBron was second highest on the team. Yeah, still had some pretty good numbers there. His Raptor was okay, not not the best, actually worse than where D'Angelo Russell was. Um, I'm a little worried here about where Rubio goes. I, I just I think that this is the best season he has from here on out. He only shot 39% from the field, which is obviously horrendous, and 31% from three. But I'm just not sure that again, 30 years of age, he's going to turn 31 next year, or in like six months. Um, that who is going to you look at him as a 30-minute-a-night player. Shit, if he went to the Knicks, he probably should be their starter and play 30 minutes a night. But you know, who else is relying upon him for that? And you know, we saw some pretty large drop-offs from Rubio, who, let's be fair, was unbelievable for Phoenix the year prior. And then things really did fall off a cliff this year. His shooting dropped off. His, um, his passing dropped off a little bit as well. His defensive stuff was still okay in terms of your yeah, steal rate. That was still fine. But a lot of his uh, a lot of his play, including that three point shooting, did really fall off a cliff. I'm not completely writing Rubio off, who averaged 25 fantasy points per game this year, 115th in category leagues. I'm not completely writing him off, but it's the trajectory is not great. Let's talk Naz Reed, who is a guy that we've seen play really well at times. Um, and when Towns was out, he put up some good numbers. He also had some struggles at times when Towns was missing, but I think the generality of when he was playing was was pretty positive. Um, but some of the advanced metrics disagree on him. His negative 0.5 on Raptor was fourth on the team, but his EPM was like 41st percentile on the league, negative 1.9. Not particularly good. His LeBron was negative 0.28, which is all right, but not great. Reed averaged 11 points in 19 minutes with 1.1 blocks, hit a three, shot 52 from the field and and 69 from the line. And on a per 36 basis, that's 21 and 9 with two blocks. Like, they're really good numbers. We know that he can be a very, very good permanent player. And in fact, we started to see him play a little bit alongside Carl Anthony Towns. He was inside the top 200 for category leagues and points leagues. 
The shot blocking ability is there. And one thing we know, the starting power forward job on this team, we don't know what's going to happen there. It's not it's not decided. Vanderbilt's 21 years of age. Jaden McDaniel's 20. They can grow into that. Wancho's not the answer. Is Reed the answer? I, I don't think so, but he's gonna. He's about to turn 22. He's not particularly old. So he's actually a little bit younger than Vanderbilt, who's just 22. Uh, about a year older than McDaniel's. But there's no decision made there. He's just a name that I would keep an eye on, very much in the Rashawn Holmes sort of mold. Backing it up, good advanced numbers for multiple years. When he starts, he plays well and needs an opportunity to get somewhere as a uh, on a new team to have a role as a starter. And look, that's that's a fair way away because he's got $1.8 million non-guaranteed next year and then a $1.9 million team option the year after. So he's not a restricted free agent until 2023, 2024. And I don't think the Wolves are moving on from him. They could move him in a trade, but he is just a name to watch. I think that his value will increase, obviously, if Towns gets injured. And he showed some flashes this year. And showed some flashes to play next to Towns, which was impressive. We need to keep an eye on where that goes. Um, But he is absolutely an intriguing player. Next guy, Jared Vanderbilt. Started uh, quite a few games. He was all right. 18 minutes, 64 games. Not a great points league guy under 19 points per game, but not top 200 in points or categories. His value lies in a couple of areas. Really good steals bloke. 18 minutes, one steal is a very, very good number. He was 50... Um, I've got the wrong number up there. Yes, yeah, sorry. Six, 61% from the field is, is a great number, but bad from the line, 56%. And he doesn't score much at all. Low scoring numbers. 12% usage. Like that's that's really bad. But a great rebounder, a pretty good defensive player. Um, but he, McDaniels, Hernan Gomez, they just seem to switch this role all year. Defensively, one of the best EPMs in the entire league. His overall EPM was really strong. His overall LeBron was second on this team at 0.54. His Raptor, you're going to be shocked to know, he was second on the team. Every advanced stat loved this bloke because of how good he was defensively. Now, it's not hard to look good defensively when you're surrounded by absolutely putrid defenders, but he did it. Is he a great fantasy player? No. The low usage is a real problem. 12% usage is bad, but the ability to rebound, high field goal percentage, and get steals, and block some shots is okay. Like It's it's good. And I think that's where we need to sit with Vanderbilt. I am not convinced that he can be a 30-minute-a-night starting player at any point in his career. But again, he is young. He's 22. He's going to be that guy that we add and drop and add and drop, it feels like, over time. And McDaniels feels like definitely the guy they want to develop there. But they could easily grab someone in the draft if at you know, pick four if they happen to get that spot. And... Uh, they would love to get like a, an Evan Mobley, although Mobley's best position is probably at center. So I don't know what they'd do if they got pick four, actually. Do they take a Kaminga and play him at the four? That would probably be their best option, I would guess. Because you know, Green, Suggs, Cunningham, although yeah, there's no way if there's no way they're getting Cunningham uh at at uh, sorry, not pick four. Um uh, pick one, two, or three. Like, do they they Cunningham, Green, Suggs, Mobley? Do they take Kaminga in the top three? Do they draft for need? Do they just draft for talent? It's a really tough question. Um, but that is the glaring hole in this team is the power forward position. And Vanderbilt's in there, but they want they would want to upgrade this spot, I'd think. Let's talk Jaden McDaniels, who again was pretty good as a rookie. 20 years of age only, 63 games, 24 minutes, seven points, one block. That's really where his value is coming from, is that one block. Um, 0.6 steals. 
Shot 45 and 60, so some really horrendous true shooting uh, numbers overall. 50, oh, actually, it's not true. 55 is not too bad because he hit his threes at 36%. He was one of those guys, again, that just doesn't see any usage because of the players around him. 12% usage. His advanced numbers were very, very poor when you compare, compare them to uh, Vanderbilt. Second worst on this team in LeBron. Um, his Raptor was a negative 2.8. His EPM was a negative 2.3. He was, you know, his free throws were bad. He doesn't play make at all. His block rate was really strong, and that's where he he is is um, a guy that's able to get solid blocks. But can he turn any turn into anything offensively? Two hundred forty fourth ranked player in category leagues. Uh, Seventeen points in in points leagues per game. That's not great. I don't think he's going to be a good points league player to be honest. He can be an interesting category league guy. But he already played 24 minutes a night this year. Where does he improve? It's got to be in percentages, 45 and 60. That's got to go to 50 and 80. Like he, no, I don't think you can get 80, but 50% from the field, sure. I, I, again, I worry on this team is how does he get touches to do anything offensively? And he needs to be a better rebounder. Under four rebounds at power forward in 24 minutes a night is really poor. So he needs to be, he needs to be a better rebounder. Yeah, I, I, 44th percent percentile defensive rebounder as a power forward is really, really bad. And if we look at it positionally, he's in the 19th percentile for power forwards. Like that's really bad. And that is going to cost him overall in fantasy value. Do I think he can have a top 100 season? I'm on the fence about that. I think his upside is higher than Vanderbilt's just from a fantasy perspective. But in terms of players, I'm not sure which guy is actually better. Vanderbilt actually did play better this season. um, But McDaniels is a little bit flashier. Let's talk Jordy McLaughlin for a little bit. Thought, thought he could handle himself all right out there. 18 minutes, five points, four assists, a steal. Didn't shoot particularly well. True shooting just 50% for McLaughlin. But again, showed an ability um, to be useful enough. And if Rubio is gone and they bring McLaughlin back, he can be okay. Now, his advanced numbers weren't particularly good. Negative 2.1 uh, EPM is not great. 50 true shooting is actually piss poor. But good assist to turnover ratio. Good ability to generate steals. He is 25, so that's the concern there. Um, but getting those assists and steals, if he just does find an okay role, he's a, at least a name to watch. But I wouldn't be putting huge amounts of faith into Geordie McLaughlin as we uh, as we move forward here. Josh Okogie played a lot. In fact, some would say too much. 59 games, 20 minutes a game. Just a really bad fantasy player. Outside the top 300 for points in category leagues. He started, again, way too many games. 20 minutes a game, five points. Usage of 12 True shooting of 52. He generated steals. That's that's fine. But you know, where what else did he do? I don't really see where the role is for him with you know Russell Edwards Beasley. He's too small to play the four, though he did play it at some point this year. Steal rate is probably the only thing I can say is a positive for him. Has not shot over 30% in his NBA career from three. Not the greatest rim finisher, 58%. Um, negative EPM. Negative LeBron in a pretty big manner. Interestingly, he was third on this team for Raptor, largely fueled by his big defensive performance, but he's just such a negative offensively that I am not even convinced that he is a regular rotation player next season. Jalen Noel had some flashes. 42 games, 18 minutes, 16 fantasy points per game. Really, his role is as a scorer, and it was he was able to thrive at times when guys were out. 
But then he was out of the rotation at the end of the year. He's about to turn 22, so he's not particularly old. There is a little bit of a future there for him. Now, you could make the argument that he was a better player than a Kogi and Jarrett Culver this season. I'm not sure I fully buy into it with a Kogi because defense does matter. But I thought he showed some flashes here, Noel. But is he a reliable fantasy option moving forward? I, I don't think so. I don't think anything there was particularly standout-ish for him. He, when given the opportunity, he was able to score well, and, and that is a positive, but there's just not enough to his game that gets me really any sort of interested as we move forward. Ed Davis, I'm not sure he's in the NBA next year. 23 games, 13 minutes, 12 points per game, or 12 fantasy points per game. He shot his free throw as well, but really just looked lost out there for the majority of the season. Really, really struggled. Hor- horrendous Raptor, worst on this team. Negative five point nine, and was just excised from the rotation almost immediately. Remember when Towns got out and they were playing this guy ahead of Reed? That was ridiculous coaching. Jake Lehman, forty-five games, fourteen minutes, a terrible fantasy option as well. He was at times um, your starting games, and then completely out of the rotation. He's already twenty-seven. I just think he's going to be a break glass in case of emergency type player, and has no fantasy appeal as we move forward. Well, Juancho Hernan Gomez, he was actually drafted in leagues, one hundred thirty-eighth ADP. I was not really behind that. He's never shown to be a good fantasy player. He averaged seven points in 17 minutes. That's obviously not good. Um, He has the occasional flashy game, but advanced metrics have been horrendous really through most of his career. I'm pretty much ready to give up on one show as any sort of NBA impact player. And your McDaniels and Vanderbilt, to me, are clearly ahead of him in terms of the pecking order, as they should. He has some moments where he looks like he can be a shooter, but then that doesn't really last at all. His true shooting was at 55%. He shot 33% from three, and nothing really got me excited there. And the last guy, oh man, what a terrible year for Jarrett Culver. They picked him number six two years ago. 34 games, 15 minutes, 11 fantasy points, outside the top 400 for category leagues, 411th. His best category was 41% from the field. That is how atrocious he was. He averaged 5 points, 3 rebounds, 0.7 assists, and 0.5 steals. He had a little bit of a come on at the end of last season, but 25% three-point shooting, he is just actually really, really bad. The ankle problems bothered him all year, but that's not that's not it. 13th percentile for EPM, negative 4.2. Worst on the team in LeBron. Second worst on the team in Raptor, negative 4.1. Offensively, he basically is unplayable at this point. Now, he's still got some room to improve for sure. He's only 22, but he is 22. He's older than Naz Reed, same age as Vanderbilt, older than McDaniels. He's not the youngest player there. He's two and a half years older than Anthony Edwards. He's older than Jalen Noel. He's like three months younger than Josh Kogi. He's not particularly young. I didn't like the pick at the time, but I didn't think he'd be this bad. Um, I don't even think that he's a dynasty by low. I don't really know what... He can't shoot. His defensive stuff is okay, but he's such a negative offensively that you can't put him out there. His passing is all right, but it's still... It's not great. Still had a negative assist-to-turnover ratio. Injuries have hurt him, for sure. But I, I just don't think he's very good, and I wouldn't be putting much faith in him improving personally. He'll improve, but not to a level where I'm excited about it. Let's answer some of your questions now. Um, All right. Sean Shea, big Wolves fan. Finch has revolutionized the offense. He's clearly progressively minded. Yep. Absolutely great hire. It's also fairly well known that Rubio will be likely likely offloaded in in the offseason. So how do I think the wing rotation will play out minutes-wise? Well, I think they're going to go, they're going to have to go Russell, Beasley, Edwards. Russell will play 33. Edwards will play 34, 35. 
and Beasley will play 31, 32. There's, that's your easy rotation there. And then Okogi gets first crack after that. And then the draft is going to be really important to see whether they get that top three pick, Green or Suggs, and they can come in and play 25 to 28 minutes. Or Cunningham, and maybe they get him in that spot. And I think if that's the case, Beasley would pretty quickly move to the bench after one of those guys establishes themselves. So, you know, does Noel maybe chime in there? Do they try Culver again? McLaughlin would likely get first crack at those backup point guard minutes, I would imagine, with Rubio gone, but that could easily be Green or Suggs in that position as well, or Cunningham in that position. So I think we look at 33-plus for, for Russell and Edwards and 31 or so for Beasley, but that could easily change depending on what happens in that draft. If they don't get the draft pick, Beasley probably plays more. If they do get the draft pick, Beasley plays less. Um, will Edwards' usage take a significant hit when Malik Beasley returns? I wouldn't imagine. So I think the hit is going to be to Beasley. Uh, Beasley will be half the guy to fit in. Now, Edwards took that hit when Russell came back, rightfully so, but maintained at 27. They won't want to get him lower than 27 usage. I think he'll be okay in that area. Um, all right, one question here. Um, let's say, why is Cat trash? Um, well, that's just telling on yourself that you don't know anything about basketball. So shout out to you, name redacted. B-Ball Tatum, is it the stupidest thing they started winning the last stretch of the season despite having their pick only top three protected? Um, no, I, I understand what they were doing because they wanted to play these guys with Finch together. And again, the odds of them retaining that pick were already pretty low. Did they you know, change those odds a little bit? They probably, they could have had themselves in a position where the odds of keeping that pick were around 40%. They're currently at 27%. So that hurts a little bit there. Um, it, it is losing some odds there, but what does that mean? It's still less than fifty percent chance of them keeping that pick. The chance, the what it does mean is it move, moves their their ceiling is probably lowered a little bit there. But how much do we you know, the Finch Towns Russell Edwards combo and developing and getting some chemistry there? I actually don't think that it's the, the dumbest thing in the world. Yeah, I don't think it's the dumbest thing in the world. Anyway, guys, that'll do it for me today. Don't forget, follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on Odyssey on YouTube. Hit the thumbs up. Leave your comments down below. Like it, subscribe it, flick my little bell. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.